Okay, so it's starting. Okay, so part of the reason that we are separating the men and the ladies tonight is because, interestingly enough, we all deal very differently with pornography. So um, it was interesting doing a lot of research on coming to speak to you tonight, realizing that um, pornography obviously generally um, in the past was very much dealt with by the men. It was very much seemed to be something that men dealt with a lot um, and wasn't women weren't really didn't seem to be in the 1900s when it was seemed to be something that had sort of started back then. Women weren't really that involved with it. Um, and then slowly but surely the, the statistics have shown that almost a third, 30% of the porn hub stats show that women are now also involved with pornography. Um, you're going to hear from Emily's testimony, just the different types of pornography um, that different people are involved in. Men primarily it is the things that they watch and this was the thing that was so interesting for me. So if you have to think about the main difference between men and women is that men are all about the eyes, it's all about what they see, and women, we're all about the brain. So that for me made total sense. When I was doing the investigation, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. Because when you look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 2, it says, we, admonish, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I thought for myself, that for me is the scripture that we have to take hold of when we think about our minds. So now I don't know about you ladies, but part of our issue as women is we overthink everything. <laughs> everything in our lives, we overthink it. And not just the emotional woman, all of us. We overthink everything. Everything happens in our minds. Our minds are going 10 to dozen all the time. We're overthinking, we're juggling. They say you can't multitask. Well, I know that we can. We're always <laughs> thinking about 100 different things our pizza pies are just busy with a million different things all the time. The problem is, is our thoughts are going all the time. But you know what happens? The accuser, who is the father of lies, uses this playground for his playground too. So the problem is, that's why this space in our minds becomes a playground for the enemy. That's why that scripture for me, I thought, I'm going to tattoo that. I'm not really, but <laughs> I'm going to tattoo that on my heart. Because we have to take captive our thoughts. Because our minds, that's what it, it, he becomes and he starts to accuse us with the lies. So anybody who was here this morning to listen to the preach on shame. So what happens is the lies get into our minds and they start, we start believing what he says about us. So we start believing the lies that are out there and we start thinking, okay, I heard once before, which I've also loved, another thing that most women, not all of us, me, I've struggled with this my whole life, diets. What are you feeding yourself? I'm not talking about weight, 
only, I'm talking now, what are you putting into your mind? What are you feeding yourself? What are you watching? Somebody said, are you reading? I love reading, and I never get time to read. It's my holiday thing, I love reading. <laughs> Take my books and I go on holiday, and that's, I, then I know that I've had a good holiday if I've read a book. What are you reading? What are you watching? What magazines are you reading? I was convicted of that once. Most beautiful cosmopolitans. Oh, how to spice up your sex life with your husband. <laughs> it's not good. All those things. What are you feeding your mind? Actually, I realize, actually, sometimes my diet's not good. I'm not getting my veggies and my protein and my... Actually, it's not good. Our diets sometimes are not good. How much of the word am I reading compared to other stuff? Am I watching TikTok too much more than I'm watching reading the word? Uh, how much of my life, what is going in? Am I, is the social media, am I just scrolling? Am I actually just numbing myself and I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling? And I know, and before you know it, an hour is gone and you think, I've totally wasted that hour of my life. So what's your diet like? And I'm not talking about food. Because actually, even the thing when we were talking, and you're going to hear later on when you hear from Emily. So the porn hub is obviously what you watch, primarily. It's movies. So even those rom-coms, how do they make you feel? They arouse something inside you. Not very helpful. I love rom-coms. <laughs> I do love them. You have to be, ask yourself a question, what do you love about them? What is that fantasy in your mind that you love? What is it that you love about them? What are you trying to, what are you, what are you trying to fill in your mind? What, what emotion are you trying to fill inside yourself? Even the books that you read. You're gonna hear just now from Emily a little bit of a part of her testimony. I'm not gonna go into too much detail. I want her to have time to speak about that. And even to parents, that's what I wanna talk about here. You're so excited. I love the fact that my children read. I have one child who loves reading. And I just love that fact, because I love reading. My two other children, they're not that crazy about reading. But you know, your kids who love reading, are you aware of what they're reading? Maybe you need to check what they're reading. It's not always safe anymore. You're gonna hear more about that later. Surveys have shown, when they've done surveys about pornography with women, with girls, young and old, so just a little few of the statistics. Sadly, the statistics of the women and girls who are watching most pornography are between 18 and 30 years old. The next age group, 31 to 49, and then sort of older than that, the, the percentages go down. But obviously what... A lot of the young girls are saying the reason that they're watching pornography is for education purposes. So they're actually trying to learn because you know why? They don't have role models because of the breakdown in the families. They don't have role models or friends who they can ask. In their relationships, so they might be in a relationship with a boy and they're saying, well, I don't know who to ask. So I'm going to watch pornography 
or read about pornography to find out how I must behave in my relationship. And how horrific is that? So they're watching for educational purposes. And guess what they're finding? They are becoming completely insecure because they can never live up to that. It is fake. It's not real. Those people are not real. They are doctored. It's totally fake. It's not real life. They are becoming totally shameful of their bodies because their bodies can never live up to those people. Never, ever. So they're becoming more and more insecure about their bodies. They are full. Ladies, is there anybody here who's never suffered with comparison as a woman? Anybody? Please come and tell me how you've done it. <laughs> anybody? No. It's probably one of the greatest things women suffer with in their lives. Imagine now watching somebody on a pornography movie and now you think you're going to compare. So they are riddled with guilt and comparison. And they actually, unfortunately, are watching women become objectified. And they're also thinking that violence is okay. So they're thinking, well, it's okay to be a little bit violent. Actually, rough play becomes okay because that's what they're seeing. But there's nobody telling them that it's not okay. So they've got no one out there telling them. They're watching it for educational purposes. It's not, it's not okay. And part of the reason is isolation. So they're not in communication and they're not in community and there's nobody that they can talk to. They're lonely. Part of the thing as well is that you think that nobody else is doing this. You think you're the only one. If you're struggling with pornography, you think no one else in this room has, is struggling with that. I'm the only one. You are full of shame, like Stan spoke about. You're full of shame and you think, nobody else has ever done this. I'm the only one who's done this. I can't tell anybody. It's, it's so shameful. That's what people are thinking. And sometimes people are turning to this because they've been hurt. <coughs> they've been hurt by a man or hurt by a woman. And they think, hmm. Actually, this is the safe way. This is the safer way. I don't want to get into a, a relationship with another person. This is actually a safe space for me to be in. And you know what that is? Again, it's the accuser. It's a counterfeit. It's not a real relationship. There's no intimacy being built. There's no, as Tyler Page said, there's no friendship being built. There's no real relationship being built. And it's actually lying to you and robbing you of your true sexuality, which God has given each one of us. And it's actually robbing you of what God has given you. Given you. And actually people would rather be alone. So they think, well, instead of being hurt by somebody else, maybe you've been abused sexually in your life. So you think, well, there's no ways I'm letting anybody touch me or hurt me before. So actually I'll just rather satisfy myself on my own. I'm not letting anyone hurt me. Maybe you were totally a victim. You were, it's never, you've, you were innocent as a victim. Stan said you've carrying that shame of that. You need to rele be released of that and realize that actually you can meet somebody who won't do that to you and who will lead you in a beautiful relationship. And you don't have to carry that anymore and believe that everybody's going to hurt you like that again. You don't have to live in that place. And unfortunately, masturbation comes into this as well. So what happens is people get addicted, not only to the pornography, but addicted to the masturbation. 
And as Stan spoke about a few weeks ago, he spoke about there's not very much said in the Bible about masturbation. But what I can say is it becomes addictive. And it becomes something that is a quick pickup, and then it just drops you even lower. And then when you take that into your marriage, it's very difficult for your partner to pleasure you as quickly as your sexual toy might. I'm being honest and vulnerable with you. I know this is awkward stuff to talk about. You're probably going to look at me and think, oh, God. <laughs> Never be able to look at each other and say, past each other and church. But it's true. Some people, I mean, I, I met with a couple the other day and she was like, oh, my gosh, nobody's ever talked to me about this stuff. Let's be open and honest with each other so we don't walk around saying no one's ever talked to me about this stuff. Let's talk to each other about it so we can be free about it. Talk about these things because actually it's not helpful when you walk and then your husband's never going to be able to pleasure you like that. And there's going to be, you're not going to be happy in your marriage. It's going to be, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good for you. But I want to tell you tonight, I want to replace some of those lies of the accuser with the truth. Because there is truth. Within marriage, sex is beautiful. And it is meant to be enjoyed by both the husband and the wife. All those terrible movies out there and those terrible things that tell you that the woman is supposed to lie back and think about England until it's <laughs> over. It's such rubbish. It's such rubbish. It's beautiful and supposed to be enjoyed by both. We were born and created with sex drives. And we are, we can have them. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And so you're all sitting here as these gorgeous, young, beautiful girls and thinking, oh, I'm not supposed to have a sex drive. No, you are. You're created to have a sex drive. It's beautiful. It's, it's normal. It's wonderful. You were created like that. Kind of think, oh my gosh, it's so shameful. I have these emotions, I have these feelings. No, that is how God created you. Within marriage, it can be beautifully expressed. And God, until you're in that place, will give you self-control. We are not given over to our flesh. He has given us a spirit of self-control. But I do want to say you are not the only one sitting here who maybe has struggled with your beautiful sexuality that God gave you. I don't want you to be living in a place of shame. I want you to talk to someone. That's what the preach this morning was about. It was about talking to someone. As Stan so beautifully said, he said, you know when you have sinned and there's guilt you can come before the cross and you can ask for forgiveness and it is instant. But sometimes the shame, you do need to walk it out. It is a process. And you might need a friend who needs to walk you through it. I was trying to find that beautiful quote about it doesn't matter how many times you fall down because sometimes the process of addiction is not instant. I have had friends who've been had addictions to many different things and Sometimes, I mean, I had one friend who was addicted to a very heavy drug and it was an instant, literally an instant, she was released of this addiction. 
and it was amazing. And I wish everybody had that freedom. But most of my friends who've had addictions, it hasn't been instant. And it's been a journey. And sometimes they've fallen. But you know what? Because they're walking in community, it's a phone call and it's, I've messed up. I struggled, I did this, I messed up, I did that. Please help me. And we prayed together and we've, and it's, oh, I've really, this is going to be hard for me. We're going on a work function thing and everybody is there, it's involved in drinking and they do this and they do that and, and I know, and I know it's been difficult and I know there are environments where it's more difficult and you're involved in different things where it may be more difficult. So find that friend or those, that group of friends who can walk with you on this journey. You're not, in this, you're not on this alone. I love this. It says, the only person who was meant to carry shame was Christ. When he hung naked on that cross, he was the one who, who carried that. He was naked and he carried all our shame for us. It's a radical picture, that. We're not the ones who are supposed to carry the shame. He went back to the beginning and said, I'll do that for you. I will, carry, stand on the, I will hang on the cross and carry all your shame. And you know what the shame is? Shame is like a cloak. And I've seen people wearing that cloak of shame. It wears you down until you literally can't walk. And it becomes this heavy cloak that you literally, you're like burdened by it. It's terrible. So even tonight, I want people to take those cloaks off. I don't want you to walk in that cloak tonight. After M shares, we're going to have a time where we can pray for you. And, and it's, I'm not saying it's going to be an instant thing, but we, we want to have a time where we can pray for you tonight. But there's also a practical thing that I think you can do. I feel like even tonight when you go home, I feel like it's a practical thing of taking a piece of paper and writing down some of those lies that the accuser has maybe told you where you are full of shame. Whatever those lies are, you know, as I've been speaking, maybe God has highlighted some of the things that, he, that the enemy's spoken over your life. Even from um, Tyler Page's talk earlier, maybe you've believed some lies that, have, that you shouldn't have believed. And you take that piece of paper of all the lies and you rip it up and you throw it away. And then you take a new piece of paper and you write down the truth, some of the truths that you know God has said over you. And if you don't know and you haven't got any truths, ask a friend. Ask somebody to pray for you. Ask these amazing prophetic people in this church. Ask them to pray for you and give you a word that God has spoken over your life. And you keep those pieces of paper in your Bible. And every time the accuser comes to lie to you, you say, get out of my life. And you open those pieces of paper and you say, no, these are the truths over my life. I'm not going to believe the lies. And you hold on to those things. And you will walk this journey of freedom. So that you don't have to believe the lies any longer. You ready? Okay. <laughs> Alright, um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Emily. Um, and so before I share my testimony, I wanted to share, just I explained the origin or the root word of pornography. And so it has two root words. Um, in the Greek, uh, porneia or 
poni means um, in some translations uh, sexual immorality, but in other translations it means prostitute. Um, and the other half of the word uh, graphene or graphe means to write. So the word pornography literally translates to writing about prostitutes. Um, and so actually pornography started as something that was written. I mean, you think about back to ancient times and obviously they, they had murals and the Greek temples and that sort of thing of orgies and all kinds of different things. And the Kama Sutra, I think in India, goes back like thousands of years. And things that people would read, things that people would look at to um, cause arousal. And so I just kind of wanted to shift our perspective of pornography, um, that it's not necessarily just visual. Like when you think of the word pornography, the first thing that comes to mind today is something that guys watch on the internet, right? Um, and actually it can be any form of media. Like Heather said, magazines, books, what any form of media and reading you may think well I'm just reading I'm not watching so it's not wrong but the intention of that work is still the same which is to cause and encourage sexual arousal um, and that explicit content can be just as destructive um, and in so Song of Solomon of uh, uh, 8 uh, verse 4 it says oh let me warn you sisters in Jerusalem don't excite love, don't stir it up until the time is ripe and you are ready. And so often that quote is applied to when you're dating. It's like, don't arouse anything that's not ready. Um, but this can be also applied in the case of pornography. Do not stir up what you're not ready for. And trust me, it will does stir up a lot. <laughs> um, so my story, um, when I was 13, 14, I got my first phone. Um, and when you're young, you start exploring, looking online, scrolling, all that. And the one day I discovered a site um, that provided an alternative storyline to a book series that I was reading. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. So I started reading. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. And I saw that there were all kinds of stories being posted online, all kinds of different alternative um, ways of rewriting uh, popular books. And I thought, this is really cool. So I started reading more and more. And then one day I came across a story that had a bit of explicit content and it felt good reading it in that moment. It's like this new feeling. Like, it was like, wow, okay, I'm, I don't know what I'm really feeling. I didn't understand it because I was so young. and nobody had spoken to me about this I didn't know it was wrong so I thought well feels kind of good so I carried on reading and um, then I started looking for more stories like that started looking for specific words um, to match what I was looking for but soon it got to a point where that wasn't enough I needed more it wasn't giving me the same heart that it did in the beginning. I needed something that was more explicit. Um, and yeah, 
So for a couple of years, I kept on going through it. And I kept on going deeper and deeper and deeper and spiraling in this place of guilt and shame and embarrassment where in the moment it feels really good. You get that high, that release, that dopamine release, and it's like, this is amazing. And then afterwards, the shame comes. So you're going round and round and round. Um, and so at first I didn't realize it was wrong, but then eventually I was like, okay, I know this is wrong, but I don't know how to get out of it. I kept saying to myself, this is the last time. It was never the last time. Um, and like Heather said, it's so hard. It can be so hard to break addiction. And it got to a point where I was going to bed in the early hours of the morning. And instead of doing schoolwork, um, I was reading on my phone. And so it was impacting my whole life, really. I wasn't sleeping properly. Um, and what Stan said this morning, which I thought was so amazing, is if you don't claim your shame, your shame will claim you. And at that point, shame had claimed me. It had surrounded me. I was way down. And I thought, there is no way I'm going to get out of this. And then one day at youth, um, when Drew and Megan Land were leading it, they had a guy come in and share his testimony. And he was a pastor's kid. And he shared about how for years he struggled with pornography. And he didn't know how to get out of it. He felt trapped. And the only time that he felt freedom was when he finally told his father. And that is when the weight came off. Where he's no longer chained down. Um, and that night I realized if I don't tell someone, I probably never will. And I'm never going to get out of this. So at the time... Matt and I were dating. Matt's my fiance. Um, and it was quite new, the relationship. And so I said to Matt, I need to talk with you. And in my head, like Heather said, you overthink. And you're like, okay, if he breaks up with me, I'll understand. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was really scared. I was like, you know, I, I wouldn't want to date me. I felt dirty. I felt like there was something wrong with me because I enjoyed it, because it gave me pleasure kind of thing. Um, and so I said to Matt, I explained to him. And he just wrapped me in his arms. There was no judgment. There was just love. And um, in that moment, I knew I was going to be all right because it felt weight had been left off my shoulders but then after telling him I had to tell my parents and that was the scary one <laughs> because I think as daughters especially as the oldest child I think a lot of people can relate is you feel a lot of pressure and you don't want to be a disappointment and you think gosh they're going to be so ashamed of me you're going to be so disappointed in me. Um, and when I did tell them, they were amazing. They were sad, obviously, because they had no idea that I was struggling with this for so long. And my mom said to me, 
why did you feel like you couldn't come to us? Because you felt like she had done something wrong. And I said to her, it's not a reflection on you or your parenting at all. I said, for so long it's been framed in society as a guy's issue. So the idea that me as a woman dealing with this seemed more shameful and worse. And so I said to her, it wasn't you guys. It was, it was all lies that I just kept on believing. Lies of the enemy. Um, and so you may think like, okay, well, if I'm in this place, if I'm trapped in this cycle, how do I break it? And I thought I could do it on my own, but you can't. And so like Heather said, you need to talk about it with someone you trust. Not just anyone, someone who you know you can go to and they will protect you, they will love you, and they'll put their, their arms around you. Um, and in James um, 5 verse 16, it talks about confessing with the tongue and the power of that. And that actually gives you power by speaking out. Um, and in Proverbs 18 verse 21, it says, death and life on the power of the tongue. Your words have power. And the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you silent. To live in shame because shame separates us from God. And he wants nothing more than to keep us separated from God. And also, just to, to reiterate what Heather said, it is a journey. I did not go cold turkey. I wish I did. <laughs> but for me, it was a journey. But it's about having someone where you can go to and being accountable and saying, actually, I've stuffed up. I, I stumbled. I made a mistake. I had a weak moment. And I can say now, over the last couple of years, I have not felt any urge of any kind. I'm completely free. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so I just want to say that although it's a journey, you can find freedom from shame. Yeah. And you can find freedom from pornography yeah. as an addiction. Yeah. And so, yeah, I hope this stays with you and know that all you need to do is find someone you can talk to. So and the rest will sort itself out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.